I brought my family to the Boa Tea Plantation uh, in Cameron Highlands. Uh, that was the first time uh, for, for, my, for me and my wife especially. And then when, to get to the Boa Tea Plantation, we have to drive uh, along this narrow one-lane road uh, along the hills. And even from there, from afar, we can see uh, the pretty uh, patches of green tea bushes uh, on the hills. And then when we arrive uh, at the car park, I think we have to walk up uh, the hills all the way uh, to the where the factory is. I think it must be a, at least about uh, a half a kilometer because it felt forever for me. And I think when finally when I reach there, right, the hill at the top, and then me and wife, me and my wife, we look up, and we say, "Wow, this is worth our journey." Right, the scenery in front of us was very beautiful, patches and patches of greeneries of tea bushes all along the hills. Uh, but guess what? Guess what my two young boys are doing at that time? Well, when they're on the top, they have no care at all at the great scenery in front of them. They couldn't care less. Uh, they were just running around on the white space, picking up random leaves and you know, throwing one another. Well, no doubt they were having fun up there at the hill, uh, but they, they have no appreciation at all uh, for the great scenery in front of them. Well, you see, uh, young children, like, like my, my two young boys, they are only three years old and two years old, uh, they are often uh, attracted by little things, isn't it? Little things that grab their attention. And because of that, they fail to see uh, the better and the bigger, more important things in front of them. And you see, I say this because I think we adults can also uh, do the same thing. Sometimes we can be distracted by lesser things uh, in front of us uh, that we are detracted from seeing the more important things in front. And I'll explain more about this towards the end uh, of the sermon when we understand properly the passage today. And so let's go straight uh, to Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 46. Uh, here in chapter 10, verse 46, uh, we see here uh, that Jesus and his disciples uh, came to Jericho. And in the next sentence, they were leaving Jericho. In a short, uh, in a short same verse, Jericho was mentioned twice. And you wonder, what is the significance of this place? It was mentioned twice. Well, it is significant uh, because it's the closest city to Jerusalem. Right? It's the last stop before they enter Jerusalem. And we see that this was indeed uh, Jesus' destination. There he was heading towards Jerusalem. Uh, we see that back in chapter 10, verse 32. And in that verse, uh, we see that Jesus was, was walking ahead of the crowd, uh, showing that he was urgently trying to get to Jerusalem. And so, uh, as a living, uh, and then not, not just that he was traveling urgently towards that. Earlier, Jesus has told his disciples that something significant it's going to happen at Jerusalem. And so as they were leaving Jericho towards Jerusalem, uh, Mark will tell us of this incident, that there was a blind beggar whose name was Bartimaeus. Uh, he was sitting on the roadside, as beggar would do. And as a large crowd led by Jesus was passing by, well, he couldn't see, isn't it? Therefore, he heard, he heard maybe from the crowd who was talking loudly, that it was Jesus of Nazareth that was passing by. Uh, Bartimaeus must have heard about all the amazing things that Jesus had done throughout the region that we see before in Mark's Gospel. That Jesus was a great teacher with great authority. And Jesus has a power to heal all kinds of illnesses. And so when, Jesus, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus who was passing by, 
he got excited. And so he began and cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd rebuked him, thinking he was too noisy, asking him to be silent. Why did the crowd rebuke him? Well, you see, as I said before, here was a big traveling group led by the great Jesus, urgently traveling to their destination. They can't wait to reach Jerusalem, Jerusalem to see what is happening. And here, there's a person here trying to delay the whole journey. And furthermore, this person was merely a blind beggar on the roadside. But beggars have very low status in society. It was the same back then and it was now. So why should an important traveling group be delayed by this person? Well, you see, imagine in modern days, right, we have a, we have a Mantri Bursa who is driving his car heading towards KLCC, uh, attending the very important ASEAN Summit Conference. And so as we would expect, the Mantri Bursa car will be escorted by many police cars and police motorcycles, isn't it? And then imagine as they were traveling along Federal Highway, there was this random man on the roadside because his, the tire of his motorcycles was punctured. And so as the motorcycle and the police pass by, Mantri Bursa pass by, this man says, starts shouting and waving at, at Mantri Bursa car. Mantri Bursa, Mantri Bursa, tolong, tolong, tayar saya pancit. What do you think the policeman will say? Same as the crowd, isn't it? But after being rebuked by the crowd, Bartimaeus cried out all the more. He is not going to be deterred by those who asked him to be quiet. He cried out a second time in order to get Jesus' attention. Son of David, have mercy on me. You see, because of the initial rebuke of the crowd, here we see the same cry of Bartimaeus, same, exactly the same phrase, twice in a short one, one verse. And so our attention was being drawn to this phrase, Son of David, have mercy on me. And we wonder what's the significance of this phrase. Well, Son of David, the title, has a rich meaning for those who are familiar with the Old Testament. And we know as we read the Old Testament that David was a great king of the nation Israel. He was a chosen one by God to be their king, to be their savior, to deliver them from their enemies. And we see that indeed the kingdom under King David was great, isn't it? But we also know that the kingdom under David was not perfect and it did not last. Therefore, God promised David that another king will come after him. In fact, this king will be one of his descendants, one that will come after him, who will inherit a bigger, better kingdom that will last forever. This already we see, isn't it? We read in Old Testament reading just now, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And so as Bartimaeus called Jesus son of David, we should remember this prophecy that Jesus indeed was the one promised by God to be their saviour, to show mercy to them. And when Bartimaeus cried out the second time, Jesus heard it and he stopped in his steps. He stopped and he asked the crowd to call Bartimaeus to him. You see, Jesus was not like the large crowd that were following him. He was never too busy to care for someone's needs, especially the need of those who are lowly in the society. I remember in the, earlier in Mark Gospel, the disciples did the same thing, 
they stopped the little children, isn't it, from coming to Jesus. At that time, Jesus rebuked them and welcomed the children. And so here, once again, Jesus showed that he came to earth to help the little ones in the society, to show mercy to them. And when Bartimaeus heard that he was being summoned by Jesus, he was very excited and he was responded most quickly. We see here he, he threw off his clock, he jumped up and he went out straight to Jesus, apparently without any assistance, even though he was blind. And as Bartimaeus was standing right in front of Jesus, Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And what did Jesus say to him? Jesus said, Your faith has met you well. Go. And immediately, Bartimaeus recovered his sight, just in the instant. That was indeed amazing, isn't it? And we must remember that this is the true record of why of eyewitnesses' account. And we must never fail to be amazed by the power of what Jesus did here to Bartimaeus. But now let's go back briefly to the words of Jesus that he said. He said, your faith has made you well. What did Jesus mean exactly by these words? Jesus here was saying that it was Bartimaeus' trust that enabled him to recover his eyesight. Well, what did Bartimaeus trust? Bartimaeus trusted that Jesus has the power and authority to heal him. Did he trust correctly? Yes, isn't it? Because Jesus was indeed able to do it and he was willing to do so. And so he required and he recovered immediately. At this point, some clarification, some clarification is needed. You see, the power of Bartimaeus' faith lies not in his faith himself, but the power of his faith lies in Jesus in whom he trusts. Right, let me illustrate this. Take, for example, you are sitting on the wooden pew right now, isn't it? It is your faith that has enabled you to sit without falling down because you have trusted on a good and secure pew, isn't it? On the other hand, if you choose to sit on a pew that has broken legs and slanted on one side, you see, when you put your faith in it, you will fall from it, isn't it? No matter how strong your faith is. And therefore, what saves you from, what saves you from falling down from the pew is not the intensity of your faith, right? is whether you have faith on the right pew or on the wrong pew. And so it was the same with Bartimaeus' faith. The amazing power come not from his faith itself, but from Jesus' authority and his willingness to show mercy. Now we've gone through uh, the incident of Bartimaeus. We see his faith and we see the healing that he received. I think the big question that may run through your mind at the moment is, what does it mean for us now? in the 21st century. Uh, some of you might think that this passage is telling us that even now, even now God will heal many of our physical illnesses if we have the same faith as Bartimaeus, if only, if only with the same determination as this blind beggar. Is this how we should approach this passage? Well, the answer is no. The answer is no, and there are two reasons. There are two reasons why we should not approach the passage in this way. Uh, the first reason is because the healing of Bartimaeus is a sign that points to something bigger and better. It is a sign that points to an event in the future that will happen definitely to all Christians. 
And because it is a sign, they will point to the future. And second point that I want to make is that in the meanwhile, God has not promised to grant Christians miraculous healings now on earth. Uh, let me take some time to expand these two points. Uh, first, we see that what Jesus has done here for Bartimaeus has already been prophesied by the prophet Isaiah back in the Old Testament. Uh, the healing of Bartimaeus uh, is part of a greater salvation uh, that God will achieve. Let us turn back now to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 35. Let's turn to our Bible to page 711. be helpful if we can all do that. Page 711. Isaiah 35, verse 4. Uh, I will not read the verse out, uh, but just observe uh, these verses as, as I explain it. Isaiah 35, verse 4. We see in verse 4 here that Isaiah spoke about a time when God will come and save them, isn't it? And so, on the day of salvation, as we see in verse 5, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the mute will open his mouth and sing. And so, true enough, we see in the gospel that, not, that Jesus not only healed the blind, but he also healed the mute, the deaf, the deaf and the lame one, isn't it? But as we continue to read verse 6 to verse 8, we see that what happened on that day of salvation that Isaiah spoke about is more than physical healing. Uh, we see that on the day in verse 6 and verse 7, that there will be abundance of green grasses, green grass and water that signifies life. Here, Isaiah paints a picture of a perfect world without any barrenness. And in verse 8, importantly, no unclean person will be there. It will be a place of holiness, meaning there will be no crime at all committed by any evil person. And here at the end of verse 8, even fools will become wise so that they do not go astray. Meaning God's people on that day there will not sin anymore. They will not disobey God's commandment. You see, these latter things, verse 6 to verse 6, this thing that Isaiah prophesied, they have not happened, isn't it, in the gospel, nor in the rest of the New Testament yet. Uh, they are still evil on earth, and there are still sins committed by God's people. Uh, even though some things already have happened, like the healing of the blind, uh, many of those things haven't happened yet. So how are we going to understand that, some, that the things prophesied by Isaiah, some things have already happened and some things have yet to happen, even until now? Well, we can see this if we understand that when Jesus healed Bartimaeus, it signaled the beginning of the day of salvation that Isaiah spoke about. But not everything will come straight away at the same time. The so-called day of salvation that Isaiah says will in fact stretch for many, many years. You see, when, we, when Isaiah first spoke about it, it was as if it happened all on the same day. So let's imagine there's a big circle here, right? Big circle here, one-dimensional circle. It represents uh, the day of salvation that Jesus talked about. But as we approach this day nearer, as we see the truth being unfolded in the New Testament, we see that this day of salvation is not so much a one-dimensional circle, Right, but a two-dimensional cylinder. Right, you know how cylinder? Cylinder is two. Cylinder actually, uh, kind of maybe a elongated circles, isn't it? Along two-dimensional line plane. Imagine that, right? Two circles here, a cylinder. Right. So what we see here is that the day will begin. The day of salvation will begin here with Jesus on earth, but you only be completed on the very last day when Jesus returns again. And that time is when the history of the world will come to an end. And therefore, when Isaiah spoke about the day of the salvation from the Old Testament, he's looking from a distant 
further back past. So when he's looking at it, he's looking from this angle, isn't it? Just seeing a circle. But in fact, it is will happen in stages, like a cylinder. And indeed, it's very important that some things happen earlier on when Jesus came on earth. It is to show that if this has already happened in Jesus' time, some of it, then the rest will definitely come when Jesus returns again in the future. So the happening of this thing guarantees that the future will definitely come. And that is why the Old Testament prophets can speak about it as though it's belonging to the same day, isn't it? Because it is, in fact, the same event. The day has begun with Jesus, and nothing else more important, nothing else important needs to happen before that day of salvation is completed. And what Jesus did with Bartimaeus shows that he is indeed the king and saviour who will bring that to completion. You see, when Jesus showed that he has a power to heal Bartimaeus miraculously in just an instant, he also showed that indeed he has the authority to bring the more perfect and complete day of salvation in the end. And so this leads us naturally uh, to the second point that I mentioned before. You see, because what God guarantees that it will fulfill is in the future, and then the sign of the physical healing of Bartimaeus is just a sign of the future things to come. Therefore, on the other hand, in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, he has not given Christians any specific promise when it comes to physical healing, when it comes to miraculous healings. You see, if God does not heal us miraculously now on earth, it is not as if he doesn't care about our sicknesses. See, the truth is that he does care. He cares and that's why he's promised us and on the last day, everything will be perfect. There will be no sicknesses at all for any Christians. And that will happen when God dealt with all of our sins because sickness and death are God's judgments for the sins of the whole humanity. In fact, those who trust in Jesus will inherit an imperishable body. They will not decay on the last day. We will have perfect health, God says, but that is in the future, not now. However, at this point, I do want to add that you know, uh, apart from the miraculous healings that we see here, in fact, all the healings that we experience through natural ways, uh, through medical assistance, all those are in fact still God's power at work. No healing can happen without God's providence and supervision. And therefore, we as Christians, we can pray to God when we are sick. We should pray to God because He's in control. And we can give thanks for all the recoveries that we receive through medical assistance. And furthermore, furthermore, this is important, I also believe that God may also sometimes grant us healing in remarkable ways that we cannot explain. I believe he does that even now. But the key difference is that he has not promised any Christians that he will always do it in a kind of manner as Bartimaeus. In fact, we see that sicknesses and illnesses were, were very common among the early Christian community that we see as we see in the Bible. Uh, we see that even for Paul, the example of good, faithful Christian, even Paul has sicknesses that are not healed. Uh, you know this famous uh, verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Paul talked about the thorn in his flesh, referring to some kind of physical suffering. And Paul pleaded with God three times for God to take away the thorn in his flesh, take away the physical suffering. And God did not answer his prayer. 
Uh, we know Paul performed great miracles uh, in the early days of his ministry, as we see in the book of Acts. Uh, but later on in his ministry, when it comes to the sicknesses, when it comes to the sicknesses of, his, of, his, of Timothy, his beloved disciple, there were no miracles healing. Instead, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, in verse 32, uh, he asked Timothy to take some wine to help with his stomach problems. Right? Maybe this is a good reason why we use real wine, isn't it, instead of grape juice for Holy Communion and St. Mary's. And so let me just say one last thing uh, about miraculous healings. Maybe at this point, some of you might want to add this. You might say that it is important to pray for known it's important to pray for miraculous healings now so that we can show the power of non-Christians so that they can trust in God when you see God's power. Well, my answer to that is, didn't we see that already happened with Bartimaeus here? Isn't this what we believe that this is the word of God, that every single word written in it is absolutely true? You see, Jesus' great miracle is being shown before our very eyes through the Bible. So why do we need more miraculous healings now in 2015? Just to show that God is powerful. What we need instead is to preach God's word clearly and faithfully and to unleash his power. Finally, let's go back again to Mark's gospel as we finish. If you help, if we turn back to Mark's gospel in page 1009. Let me use the context of Mark's gospel itself to show how Bartimaeus' healing is actually, in fact, pointing to something bigger and beyond that. You see, the healing of Bartimaeus is not the first time that Jesus has healed a blind man. Uh, in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, where Andrew preached about this a few weeks ago, uh, we see that Jesus had already healed a blind man. Remember, he spit his saliva, mixed with mud, and put in the blind man's eyes? That was in Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And so we see that there's a section of Mark uh, being bracketed out, being enveloped, being kind of sectioned out uh, by these two uh, healing of blindness incidents, right? one in Mark chapter 8 and one in Mark the end of chapter 10. And between these two sections, Jesus told his disciples three times that he's going to die and rise again after three days. Right? This he said first in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, in Mark chapter 9, verse 31, and in Mark chapter 10, verse 33. In fact, these are the only three times in the whole of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus predicted his own suffering on the cross. And interestingly, importantly, just after Bartimaeus was healed, isn't it, at Jericho, uh, we see Jesus heading toward Jerusalem exactly for the purpose of being delivered to the cross and die there. And so we see, see the structure of Mark's Gospel in showing us what happens uh, between these two healing of physical blindness. It is Mark's way of showing us that these two incidents of the healing of physical blindness, they were, they were to represent the opening of the disciples' spiritual blindness. Right? The physical blindness, the opening of the physical blindness of those two blind men was to represent the opening of the spiritual blindness of the disciples. You see, the spiritual eyes of the disciples were to, were to be opened through the revelation of Jesus that he's going to die and rise again after three days. And I want to say that this opening of the spiritual blindness is just as amazing and miraculous as the restoring of physical blindness, if not more miraculous. At this moment, I would like to do an experiment. I would like all of you to, uh, to close your eyes for a moment. 
Well, maybe some of you already closed your eyes in the beginning of the sermon, so you can open it at the end of the illustration. Uh, but joke aside, uh, please just close uh, your eyes for a moment. And so now as we close our eyes, we experience, isn't it, the darkness that Bartimaeus experienced. This is what it means to be in physical darkness. And the Bible tells us that this is also what it means to be in spiritual darkness. When we are in that spiritual darkness, we do not know that we are sinful. We do not know that we are under God's judgment and that in fact we are heading towards hell. And now slowly open your eyes. And now when Jesus came, we understand that he comes to save us from God's judgment, save us from our own sinfulness. And so once we see this truth, we see the world in front of us in a whole new way they will never see before. Uh, this light of truth, light of God's truth, shows us that this is indeed the way and the life. Earlier we see how incredible is the simple faith of Bartimaeus that enabled him to be healed because he trusted that Jesus has the power and authority to do exactly that. And so Mark is now inviting us to put our faith in Jesus, not just as the one who healed physical blindness, but as a Jesus who has the power to deliver us from our sins and from God's judgment. Jesus is a king that will bring us to a kingdom of perfect joy and holiness. If we have this simple faith in the truth revealed by Jesus, then very powerful indeed is our faith because this great King Jesus will definitely bring that to fulfillment. Back in the beginning, I said that my sons were occupied with lesser things that they failed to see the great scenery in front of them at Cameron Highlands. And so as I end, I, I would like to say that there's also a danger that we are so distracted by the physical healings and the gospel that we can fail to see the greater and guaranteed salvation that Jesus is offering to all those who put their faith in him. If you have already trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you have already experienced the most miraculous healing that God can ever give you. Uh, the opening of your spiritual blindness will grant you the great salvation in the future, on the very last day. And today, if you are here who haven't seen that with your eyes, then if you want to experience God's healing, it is by looking at the truth that Jesus brings to you and have that spiritual healness, healing. But as, if, but as I say, however, if we Christians are too preoccupied with miraculous healings now, uh, we might neglect that great salvation in the future. Uh, we might think that as we, as we have faith in Christians, we might think that the faith in Jesus' death is merely basic and elementary. Uh, if we run after what grabs our attention now, we might fail to hold fast to that simple but important faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Only Father, we thank you, Father, for showing us the great power of Jesus in restoring the blindness of Bartimaeus. And most of all, Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to open our spiritual blindness so that we can trust in him who died for our sins, so that we can be saved for our own sinfulness and be saved from your judgment. And Father, we pray for those around us that their eyes may also be opened to see Jesus as their Savior and King. Pray this in his name. Amen.